Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word um, and how you speak to us today through it. Lord, I pray that as we read your word, that you would speak to us um, through it and that you would challenge and encourage us. God, I pray for Dave later as he stands up. Lord, I pray for the words that um, fall out of his mouth, that they would be um, glorifying to you um, and your words to challenge, rebuke and encourage us. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Colossians 3, verse 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder if you know the song, uh, The Cats uh, in the Cradle. Uh, Originally, uh, it was released in 1974 by Harry Chapman. Not Cat Stevens, I discovered this week. Harry Chapman originally released this song. Anyway, the song is about a father uh, and his son. But the dad's got no time uh, for his son. He's just too busy, work with life and all the things going on. So he misses all the milestones in his upbringing and he's unable to have time uh, with his son. And yet despite his absence, despite not being there for his son, there's this repeated refrain. He says, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And that's exactly what happens. The son has no time for his dad. He goes to uni, he's too busy, no time for dad. As, as the son grows older and has his own family, despite now that his dad's retired, he's got no job, he's got heaps of time, the son's got no time for his dad. The son has turned out exactly like his father. There is a, a family resemblance. It's like father, like son. And while this is a pretty scary uh, example, children do become like their parents. Uh, I'm sure if you're a parent, uh, you've seen it yourselves, that your children will have similar characteristics to yourself, whether the good ones or the bad ones. Your children become like you. Uh, And I'm sure you've been told by an older family member uh, that you're just like one of your parents. Uh, There is a, a family resemblance. Children become like their parents. Well, as Christians... Us who have put our faith in the Lord Jesus, we have a family resemblance too. We start to look like the Lord Jesus. We've been working through the book of Colossians as a church uh, this term, and we've seen that as believers we have been raised with Christ. We have been united with him. That our old sinful self uh, has died with Christ. It is gone. It is dead We've taken off the old self with with its practices, verse 9, and we've put on the new self, verse 10. We are works in progress. 
being renewed into the family likeness that we begin to look like Jesus. And that's why in verse 12, if you see there, it's got starts with the word therefore. That is, because we have been raised with Christ and, and are seated with him now uh, at the right hand of the Father, we are urged to, to set our minds and hearts on the things above because that is where we are. We have swapped our clothes. We have swapped our old sinful clothes, our clothes of death, with, with the clothes of Christ. But, but before the clothes swap, our poor reminds the Colossians of, of who they were. In fact, he reminds us of who we are before God. And, and he tells them these three things, probably because of the false teachers. There were these false teachers who were, who were speaking untruth and lies, telling people they were missing out, they didn't have enough, you need more to experience God. And, and they doubted that the people doubted that they had the fullness of Christ. But Paul tells them, and he, and he tells us here this morning, how God sees us. How does God see us? We'll have a look there at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That is how God sees us this morning. We are God's chosen people. We are his. We are his special possession of all the people in the whole world. We are special and chosen by God. But we're also holy. We are, we are set apart. We are distinct. We are different from the world. God is holy. We are holy. And God loves us dearly. He loves us. He cares for us. He cherishes us. We are God's chosen, holy and loved people. Just like the Lord Jesus, who is also chosen, holy and loved, we have the family resemblance. And these words are a great comfort, aren't they? Particularly when you're told you don't have enough, you need more, you're being disqualified, that may cause you to doubt. But actually, we can't be disqualified. We have it all. We are full in Christ. We are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Well, with the family resemblance, we are to clothe ourselves with Christ. We are to put on uh, Christ. Have a look there at verse 12. Uh, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, These are the characteristics of, of Jesus and of of God the Father. They characterize these things perfectly. And as believers who have been raised with Christ, these are to be our characteristics as well. We have swapped our clothes of death for the clothes of, of Christ and we become like him. Compassionate. Jesus was compassionate, wasn't he? He showed great compassion on the crowds. And his love characterized by mercy. Kindness. Jesus was kind. He showed kindness to the sinful woman who anointed his feet. Humility. Jesus showed perfect humility when he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant. And it's valuing others above yourselves and looking to their interests rather than yours. 
gentleness. Jesus was gentle, humble in heart, not being overly impressed with with one's own sense of self-importance and patience. God is so patient in delaying the coming of Christ that we could be saved. His patience means our salvation. And for us, it's accepting God's timing in things. I wonder if you remember from, from a few years back those those wristbands, those WWJD wristbands. Anyone remember those? No, no, no. A few, anyway, they were all the rage. They were all the rage from the 90s. What would Jesus do is what they, they stood for. Now, I would have preferred WDJD, what did Jesus do? Uh, but, you know, you get the idea with, with what you want. As Christians, we were to live our lives in light of what Jesus did. We, we are to clothe ourselves with Christ and that we would do what Jesus did. But here's the thing. It is hard work. And it is particularly hard work when it comes to the church, the church uh, context. Uh, in, in our passage, we've kind of broken up a little bit differently, but from verse 9, which we looked at last week, all the way down to verse 17, this is the focus in the church, how it is that we are to relate to, to one another. And the reason why it is hard work is because of verse 13. We, we see it there. Have a look there. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Bearing with each other shows that actually it's going to be difficult. We are going to have difficulties as we rub each other the wrong way. And it makes sense, doesn't it? We are all extremely different from each other, culturally, socially, personality. We are so different and we are sinful. We are works in progress. We haven't reached Christ's perfection yet. No, 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 we are works in progress. And so we will have conflict. We will have issues among us. And that's why we're reminded to, to bear with each other. Now, that doesn't mean we just smile through gritted teeth uh, as we see that person that we're, we're disagreeing with, but deep down we're fuming, we're in rage. No, 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 it's to forgive each other. Do you see that? To, to be honest and real about the difficulties we have with each other. And it is to forgive those who have grieved, who have hurt you. Forgiveness is to erase the sin against you by assuming the burden of debt. It's it's to release the debt that is owed to you by someone else's sin, regardless of of how you've been treated. It is not holding it against them for, for the years and years to come. But here's the thing, it is hard. It is hard to forgive, especially when you have been deeply hurt, when you have been deeply let down, and especially when someone fails or refuses to acknowledge the hurt they've done. But we see the opposite of forgiveness in verse 8. Look look across there at verse 8. Rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. You see, when we get hurt, 
we can react like this. And our hurt can really drive us, that we become angry and, and bitter, resentful, slanderous of those who have wronged us. But Paul reminds us to, to get rid of these things. They, they don't bring us together. In fact, when we act like this, it, it pushes us apart. Instead, Paul says, be, be clothed in verse 12, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Just like our Lord Jesus. We are to forgive. But that is incredibly difficult and bears a great cost. But let me be clear about what I'm not saying forgiveness is. I am not saying forgiveness means we have to forget. Forgive and forget. I am not saying that. The, the classic example is a Christian, a Christian who has definitely come to know and trust the Lord Jesus. But they were a convicted pedophile. And so we remember, we do not forget and we never let them serve on kids' church. We don't forget, but we forgive. And forgiveness doesn't mean we have to relinquish the consequences of their actions. We don't have to to get rid of the the consequences uh, of what has taken place. You see, if a law has been broken, even though we forgive, that doesn't mean that someone won't go to jail if they've broken the law. Uh, Forgiving doesn't mean we make up excuses for those who have hurt us. Oh, they were just hungry and tired, so don't worry about it. No, 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 we we are honest and real about the hurts uh, that we have experienced. We don't cover things up. And forgiveness doesn't mean that we are responsible to restore the relationship. You can forgive someone even if they refuse to acknowledge the wrong that they have done and they refuse to repent. See, without repentance, a relationship can't be restored. But even without that, I reckon we can still forgive. And the reason we forgive is there in verse 13. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, our model for forgiveness is the Lord himself, uh, who didn't judge us the way that we deserve, We rebelled, we rejected, we denied him as rightful Lord and creator of all. He innocently hung on the cross. He died our death in our place. And yet he died to forgive us. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I've I've been convinced uh, this week, last week in in preparing uh, this, that I don't think we need to wait for repentance to forgive. Uh, Yet God forgives us when we repent uh, and he only forgives us when we repent. That is true. Absolutely that is true. But here's the thing. We are not like God who gives his Holy Spirit that leads people to repentance. And we are certainly not like God who brings unity and reconciliation to the world. Look, there's much debate on this. There is much debate on this, on on whether we need to forgive or maybe have a stance of forgiveness and whether that's the same thing or not. I understand a stance of forgiveness, of whether you can't forgive them just yet until they've repented. Uh, Having a stance of forgiveness is is waiting for that person to repent uh, but actually prevents you from harboring bitterness and resentment uh, whether they've repented or not. 
And I think having that stance or, or forgiving will actually spare you from being eaten alive as you, as you churn over the issue again and again and being, and being driven by the things we're to be rid of in verse 8. Anger, rage, bitterness, slander. And if we're struggling with the injustice, the things that are unfair, the hurtful ways that we have been treated, and it leads us to become bitter and slanderous, we need to turn to Christ and remember the injustice that he experienced to forgive us. He didn't count our evils against him. He forgave us. Look, I know that some of us here, and certainly those who have left us, have been badly badly hurt by those in this church. And while I can't force anyone to forgive, I can't force you to forgive, I think it's something that we're seeing here that we need to work on it. We're being urged here to forgive. And look, I speak for myself here. Forgiveness is really hard and it comes at a great cost. And yet whilst it is hard, it will eat us alive as we churn over the issue again and again and again. And instead of being rid of those things in verse 8, we will strut them. We will be happily dressed and clothed in them instead of being clothed in Christ. And while we might have been sinned against in a massive, massive way, gravely sinned against, God has seen it all. The wool has not been pulled over his eyes. God is sovereign. But instead of avenging the matter yourself, Leave it to God, for vengeance belongs to God. Don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I'm sure you saw uh, last month, uh, popped up everywhere on my social media um, uh, last month, uh, about the story of this guy here, Brant Jean. Did you guys see this story? Did you see this guy? Uh, he's 18, <laughs> uh, he's 18 years old, uh, and he was in court, uh, and he had just seen a woman be convicted for the murder of his brother. And he asked if he could give her a hug. He asked the woman who was jailed for killing his brother to give her a hug. He showed great kindness and compassion to her, In fact, he forgave her. He wanted the best for her. And in that process, he he encouraged her to give her life to Christ. What an incredible act of forgiveness. And that from a believer to an unbeliever. And as us in the church who are being clothed with Christ, who have the family resemblance with Christ, we are to forgive too. And we clothe ourselves supremely by living a life of love. Have a look there at verse 14. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, it is love that binds us together. It is love that helps us be united. It is love that will carry on into the new creation because God himself is love and as we love, love binds us. It brings us together. 
Well, having been uh, clothed, uh, having clothed ourselves with Christ and having been bound together perfectly through him, we see next that it is the peace of Christ that drives our interactions with each other, the peace of Christ. Uh, what we see here uh, in the last couple of verses here is we see three commandments. Uh, the first is to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, be thankful and let the message of Christ dwell uh, among you. Uh, And it's the peace of Christ that drives our interactions with each other as a church. Have a look there at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And the peace of Christ that's on view here, it's not the peace that I might have within myself about a decision I made or I'm a peace because I did this particular thing. While that may be true, we can may have that type of peace in terms of the things we do uh, individually. That's not what's on view here. The peace that's on view is actually the way that we relate to each other, how we interact. That is that we are at peace with each other. We are not warring. In peace, we have been called to peace. Have a look. Um, I've got up on the screen, actually, uh, to the first time the peace is mentioned in the book of Colossians. And I think this is the peace. It's on view. Verse, uh, verse 20. And through him, that is through Christ, God is reconciling to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We have been reconciled. We have peace with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus. And so as people who have received peace, we are to be at peace with each other, not warring, not in bitter conflict, but peace. And we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts by verse 16, letting the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts by letting the message of Christ, that is the the word of God, the, the scriptures, that it dwells among us, that is that it's abundantly present and available among us at all times. As a church, we are to be soaked in God's word, that is, in whatever we do, in our, in our reading, in our speaking, in our texting, in our singing to each other, it is to be drenched in God's word. I read this great, wonderful example of this uh, this week, and I'd really like to share it with you. It's a story about a woman called Rosaria Butterfield. Um, she's a woman who lived a double life for a couple of years. Um, one is a lesbian lover, and, and the other is someone who was reading her Bible regularly. And this is what she said. I've got the words up on the thing so you can follow along. And after years and years of this, something happened. The Bible got to be bigger inside me than I. It overflowed into my world. And then one Sunday morning, two years after I met with Ken and Floyd, the the minister and his wife, and two years after I started reading the Bible for my research, I left the bed I shared with my lesbian partner and then an, and an hour later I showed up in the pew of Sacras Reformed Presbyterian Church. 
I kept going back to church to hear more sermons. I had made friendships with people in the church by this time and I had really appreciated the way that they talked about the sermons throughout the week, how the word of God dwelt in them and how they referenced it in the details of their days. She appreciated how the word of God, the message of Christ, dwelt richly among them. Did you notice that? They, they spoke about it to each other during the week. It, it shaped their lives and their conversations. How amazing is that? That as the message of, God, a message of Christ dwelt so richly among them, that it helped her. Here we might think that he is a woman, a, a lesbian, that she would just be greatly opposed to the gospel. But yet over time, and as she worked, as she read the, read the Bible herself, as she spoke to others and it was on their lips, God changed her. We also all have a part to play in this. Did you notice that? We teach and admonish one another. Uh, and it's the same language we see in Colossians 1.28. Uh, uh, he is the one, that is Christ is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. You see, we all have a part to play in speaking the message of Christ to each other. Sure, I have a, a unique role as a, as a recognised minister of the gospel, but that doesn't mean that you don't teach and admonish each other with God's word. We'll do it differently, yes. Uh, we won't all speak from the front like this from the pulpit, but we can all do it over morning tea, reflecting on the sermon together. We can do it in the text messages we send each other. We, we do it in the songs that we sing as a church, the songs we sing to God, but the songs we actually sing to each other as well. There's this two-way action that comes to singing. And that is why the words are so important when it comes to the songs we sing. The songs that we sing are thoughtfully chosen that they may teach and admonish us, that they may help us press on in the faith as we wait for Christ's return. Is that what we do with our words to each other? Do we let the message, the message of Christ dwell richly among us? Do we help each other, teach and admonish, point each other to Christ and his return and to live for him? Well, finally we are reminded that in everything we do, in absolutely everything we do, we are to endorse, promote the reputation of the Lord Jesus. Have a look there at verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so in whatever we do, everything we do in our speech, in our actions, in our thoughts, in every facet of life, we need to have Christ in mind. We might not have direct uh, commands or instructions in, uh, that we may like, but actually we can do all that we do with Christ in mind. We're thinking about his reputation and his fame so that we can show in our actions the amazingness of Christ and who he is. And we can always be giving thanks, can't we? And it doesn't matter what is happening in life. We can be in the, the lowest of lows, 
but there is always much we can be thankful for. Even when life is falling apart, we can thank God for the clothes on our backs, for each breath and each heartbeat. And we can most certainly be thankful to God for the deeper realities of knowing that God has chosen us. He loves us. And, and the here and now is not the end. He's going to bring us to the, to the new creation where our inheritance is being kept for us. It will be wonderful and amazing. We can be thankful. You see, God in his kindness and goodness has saved and forgiven us. And he has given us what belongs to Christ. We have died to sin and been raised with Christ. And so we seek the heavenly life now. We seek the things that are, that are above, here and now, because of our family resemblance with Christ. See, we have put on Christ. We've taken off the old clothes, the clothes of death that we wore, but now we have put on Christ. We are being renewed. We are works in progress. And whilst it's slow going, over time the family resemblance will be seen. But it's hard work. And, and there will be failures. But you see, our future has been transformed where we're going to, and so our lives in the here and now are being transformed too. And so as we are clothed with Christ, we live our lives for him.